Hi, I'm Brian Boger. Welcome to my podcast, Flipping the Lid. I'm a husband, father, entrepreneur, and well, just a human being like you. I've faced personal tragedy, significant trauma. I've dealt with shame, anger, and self-doubt, all of which have created a ripple effect of damage in my world. I'm grateful that I've learned the importance of looking and going inside to create, repair, unpack, and reach levels of success that I never believed possible. Now as a coach, keynote speaker, and author, I'm fascinated by the stories that have shaped some of our world's most significant and successful individuals. So we're gonna flip the lid and take a look inside the stories that have shaped their lives and success. And we'll be featuring a number of individuals who have literally flipped the lid in their lives and businesses. Welcome to Flipping the Lid. Let's go jump in. Welcome back to Flipping the Lid. You know what we do here. We love to jump inside and actually unpack the stories that have shaped some of those significant people creating impact in this world. And I just get so blessed with the individuals that come into my life that we have the opportunity to interview. Today is no different. We have a powerhouse woman, successful entrepreneur, mom, athlete, and someone who's been deeply involved in all aspects of business, but now shows up to help amplify, expand, and scale through franchising and allowing financial freedom to be created for so many people that she impacts through her work. She shows up with heart, and in our little quick pre-interview, I can tell already that she's willing to actually jump in, and I'm just really excited to have you here today, Tim. What an amazing introduction. Do you want to be my PR guy? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't know what it is, but I every almost every single show people say that and I'm like I'm like I don't know. I just I just talk about what I observe and what I see and and what I quickly absorb before I interview you. And I love to position how I see you in the world before I ask you to tell us who you are in your words. That's amazing. Are you asking me? I am. Who are you oh, in your okay, words, great. Kim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm everything you said I am. <laughs> yeah, so no, in all seriousness, I am a franchise consultant. I help every day for the last 20 years. I have been incredibly blessed. I get to help people realize their dreams of business ownership using the proven systems of a franchise. I'm coaching people through career transition, through pain points in their career to even investors who are looking for diversification in their portfolios, I get to coach them through those moments, teach them about this subject that I'm an expert in, which is franchising and changing your life, and then help them kind of set them free to go live the life that they aspire to, that they're aspiring to. Yeah. So you you hit on so many variety of things that you actually do in the space. Obviously, you've been around it for a long time. You've built and scaled, I think, one of the largest consulting franchises that exists or the franchise consulting firms that exists. And True. you've done that really effectively because of so much of your history, but you know, people don't just fall into franchise, right? It's a great investment vehicle. And so I'm really curious, like what got you originally involved and you clearly have a deep passion for enabling other people. So give me some insight into what created that drive for you. It's, it's a good question. And you're right. No one ever wakes up and goes, Oh yeah, I'm going to go buy a franchise. <laughs> right. So, I actually, I, I was blessed from a very young age. I was on my way to medical school and I answered a classified ad in the newspaper for a telemarketing job in the summer. And it was for a franchise company, not the one I'm part of today, but that was my foray into franchising. And they offered me a one-year position. Of course, my father was like, don't do it. You'll never go to med school. 
And I was like, no, med school is my whole life. But of course, my dad's always right. <laughs> Even at my age today, I will tell you, my dad is always right. And he knows it. <laughs> but so I, um, I never looked back. I found this industry where every day people wake up realizing their dreams. People help people. It's, it's such a collaborative industry. So you know what I did, Brian? At the very ripe age of 25, I decided I'm going to own my own business and I'm going to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> so, <laughs> I abandoned everything I loved about franchising, set out there to be my own boss. And I have been successfully um, self-employed since I was 25, but only four years without the support of a franchise. So the easiest people to talk into the value proposition of a franchise are those people who've tried to be entrepreneurs before. So <laughs> I, I guess I, I had my learning curve in business ownership. And the great news is I love to say I'm unemployable. You know, again, my dad would say, Kimberly, you've been unemployable since you were two years old. <laughs> yeah. But it took me until I was 25 to realize that I was unemployable. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a lot of high performers, though, that are unemployable, right? And yet yeah. so many of us started out following a traditional path, just like you, right? You were going down the med school path. Now, was that what you grew up wanting to be? Or was that something that was maybe absorbed through your world? And give me a little insight into like what your connection to chasing med school looked like. Such a fantastic question. Okay, so no, I grew up in the Miss America pageant. So a lot of people, I was a competitive athlete. As you mentioned, I was a swimmer. I was a New Hampshire State champion swimmer but my real love and passion was being on stage <laughs> i was involved in theater and talent shows and i, I can to totally act. tell that by the way and how you show up like you just like <laughs> like you're like me a little bit like you love good conversation you love quality connection but you're also like this is fucking cool i can go in different directions and play a little bit like you're it's awesome keep keep going sorry <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. So anytime there was like a stage and like I, I could have a microphone, I was in. So it's kind of funny where I've ended up in my professional career. Not really. My seven-year-old <laughs> daughter is exactly that way, by the way. She's like, I'm going to be a famous singer. She sings all the time. Like she's performing. It's so, okay, maybe she's going to have a future in franchising is what I'm hearing. Well, I found my way to the Miss America pageant, which is not a beauty pageant. It's all about, you know, helping mm -hmm. empower women. I won tons of scholarships for colleges. But most importantly, I found my voice and I found comfort being in front of people and um, and talking because that's really what you get judged on in okay. Miss America. So at 15 years old, I said to my parents, I want to be a motivational speaker. Well, like, how do you do that? So. I mean, I read a book by Dr. Dennis Waitley called The Psychology of Winning. Right. That was really the impetus of me being like, wow, book. I want to help other mm -hmm. people. Like, and I, that's why I wanted to win Miss New Hampshire. And because I wanted, and I did, because I wanted to be the role model. I wanted to influence other people. I wanted to inspire people. That's why you want to perform. You want to make people laugh. You want to entertain people. So that's always sort of been in my DNA. But not knowing how to do that, not wanting to be a struggling actress my whole life, I said, I'm a straight-A student. I love science. I'm going to do the practical thing. And I also was an athlete. So my goal for medical school was to go, um, I had a nutritional biochemistry undergrad degree, and I was going to work with professional athletes in some capacity. I became a personal trainer in college, so I got that certification. So I was sort of like trying to feel my way through, yeah. like, what kind of doctor would I actually be? probably an osteopath or something that I could eventually have worked with professional athletes. 
That's incredible. You know, you also said something that was pretty interesting as it related to Miss America. You said the only thing you get judged on is your words, right? And and it's fascinating. My wife and I always say to our kids that the world doesn't judge you based on your intent. They always judge you based on your actions. And so yeah. even on stage, you're in a position where your words are what's being judged. And it's interesting because whether it's Miss America or whether it's a physique show or bodybuilding, right? Like there's a lot of judgment in those processes that can actually create lots of damage in the individuals that are in them. And so I'm really curious, like for someone who's so confident, who loves the limelight, clearly is in a high level of performance and has established a significant profile where you're influencing a lot of people. I'm curious, like how did judgment factor into any of your processes throughout life? So I don't really care how I'm judged. I I never really have cared about what other people think. I, again, my love, I was Miss New Hampshire preteen when I was 12 years old. I was Miss New Hampshire teen when I was 16 and I was Miss New Hampshire when I was 20. And I competed like also all of those years. And I did it for the pure love because the Miss America organization is 50% of your score is talent or or like, yeah, I forget the actual, but most of it's talent and then your interview. So it's a very small percent on how you look. And today it's probably even less because it's totally not, you know, woke to be judging people based on how they look. But this is back in the 90s, baby. So we weren't quite where we are today. But even like, I just didn't care. And like, I remember I went to the national pageant. So and when I was 16 years old, I won Miss New Hampshire teen and I went to the national pageant and I was first runner up to Miss National Teenager in 1988. And um, I, of course, you know, being from New Hampshire, you know, you never make the top 10. So I was just ecstatic to make the top 10 and then to be called as the first runner up. I was over the moon. So we're behind. We're we're backstage at like a celebratory party after and all of the judges were all around me. This was my first reality slap with how political how political life can be. Mm -hmm. And the judges were telling my my parents, your daughter was our winner. We wanted her. But there were some other factors that came into why the woman that won won and whatever. And of course, I was like, don't tell me that. You know, I was just living on cloud nine that I was first runner up. But the, one of the judges said to me, so he, he had asked. And I still remember because, you know, you know how when you're asked something and it like the fear of oh, God shoots it, like, through hits you, you like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it goes to your DNA. So he asked me about my feelings about the Vietnam War, but I was 16 years old living in New Hampshire. I didn't know anything about the Vietnam War, but I was brave enough to say, I don't I don't know anything. We haven't really studied that in depth and I don't have an answer. And he said right then my ability to just be honest and not try to make it up as if I knew was why he selected me to be the winner (laughs) because I was genuine. So I think I've learned even through those environments which you know from the outside look mm-hmm. like you're being highly judged but the the reality is the way i look at it is i was being refined i was mm-hmm. learning how to put myself in uncomfortable situations and be myself and shine and i yeah. was rewarded for shining like my genuineness was being rewarded not the polished perfect hair i never had the perfect talent i didn't play the flute. I'm not an opera singer. I can carry a tune. And I had an acting coach. So we actually wrote all of my, like I wrote skits and I won talent shows like all over the country. 
I was judged by, at the time, Joan Rivers' talent agent. He was a judge at one of these national talent shows that I eventually worked my way to that I ended up winning. And he flew me and my parents to a suite in Atlantic City. He's like, I'm going to make your daughter a star, you know? But that, the talent that I won was, it was this uh, little skit called Working on Prom Night. And I, my, me and my talent coach, like, sat in this, like, dingy, like, like, uh, it was an old button factory where my acting school was. And we literally sat on the floor and made up this skit one afternoon. He wrote the jingle. I wrote the words. He wrote the jingle. We recorded the music. We built the set. My poor dad had to strap that Burger King set to the top of our minivan, like <laughs> driving it yeah. all over the place. Yeah. So like, I wasn't the girl that was like the most obvious. Like number one, I'm in New Hampshire, not like Texas or, you know, North Carolina, the states that typically win. But then I also didn't have like the perfect polished talent. But again, everywhere I went, Brian, I just was myself and I brought my heart that to want to serve other people. Yeah. And that's why I was rewarded. And look what I'm doing today. You know, I mean, that's what I do. And that's why I feel like I'm rewarded. Yes, I'm a top performing franchise consultant. I've made history over and over in my industry. But all that means is I am blessed to help a lot of people change their life. Yeah, it's I, I love listening to you talk because I, I believe everything you're saying, right? You are so authentic. You are so real. Your energy is so charismatic and you are such a light and it's obvious, right? And, and to be so centered in yourself so young is extremely powerful. A lot of people don't find that ever. And even if they do, it's until half their life is over and they've realized that they've been living based on who the world told them who to be versus who they really are at the core. And that's why all the resistance, energy drain and misery comes into their life because they're so incongruent, right? right? And so I I really want to just honor and admire the fact that for you to be in a position at that age to stand on stage, you know, they say the truth will set you free. And that is the truth, like legitimately. Because if you can exist in truth and be transparent and be vulnerable, like that is what connects us. That's what creates and conditions safety, trust. That's what creates the examples that we cast for people to follow and desire, right? I also know a lot of high performers that have kind of taken one or two paths. They either didn't have an example and a model to follow, and so they've created one and now they want to extend that to others, or (laughs) they just realize that they happen to be uniquely talented at scaling something that maybe everyone has access to and they just want to help a lot of people and so i'm really curious you wanted to show people what was possible in the miss america competition you clearly are doing that in every way you show up today with your heart where does this passion to help people come from for you that's a really good question so all right, so I'm a middle child. <laughs> no matter. So now Means you're going to know what comes out of Need I say anything else? <laughs> now, this is an ongoing joke between me and my siblings. So there's four of us now, but there was three core kids, and then my mother got remarried and had another baby many years later. So my baby sister doesn't really count in this conversation. <laughs> Okay, so here's the setup. My older brother had special needs, which in itself is a very um, growing up close to a special needs person. Number one, it changes everything, the way your family operates, but it gives you a heart. I was very, very defensive of my older brother. People used to pick on him. And I think today he passed away. 
But I think today he would have been diagnosed like on the spectrum. But back in the 70s and 80s, we didn't it wasn't have diagnosed. Asperger's, right? So I think that that's what that would have been called. But anyway, it was obvious there was something wrong with him. And so I was super defensive um, and almost took on the role of mother to him yeah. and like big sister to him, even though I was the middle child. So my little brother, so I was flanked by two boys. <laughs> so my older brother had special needs. My little brother was the baby who could do no wrong. So then there was me in the middle. Now my mother's like, Kimberly, this is so, what's gonna, what I'm going to say is so not true. So I'm like, in order to get anybody's attention, I either had to become a total derelict <laughs> or I had to figure out how to shine. I think I chose the other, the, the shining and like get, 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 put me on stage and yeah. you know, I'm going to be a straight A student and I'm going to excel at everything I do. So new people will pay attention to me. Now, of course, my parents are like, that is so not true. I also had the influence of my dad, if you can't tell, who he was very, um, he drove me pretty hard, but like in a positive way. I mean, I I give him all the credit for my personality. He yeah. saw in gold in me when I was young. And he used to tell me, like he said to me when I was really little and I started doing pageants and girls started like really being mean to me because junior high is a very difficult time anyway for girls. Throw in the fact that, you know, people think, oh, she must think she's all better than us because she's in, you know, this New Hampshire. And my dad said to me, Kimberly, eagles don't fly in flocks. <laughs> and I, I carry that with me every single day for the rest of my life. It was some of the truest words that were ever spoken to me and over me to help set me free from like, it's okay if people don't want to be my friend. I'm here. I have a purpose. I'm a Christian. I want to be the best version of me. Like I always say, like you hear those uh, stories like, or people will say, motivational speakers will say like, the biggest dreams are in buried in the ground with people. I don't want to be that person. Like I like, want every single blessing that I was born yeah. with to like come out of me before I die. And sometimes to the extent where I'm too overachieving and I need to like tone it back as my body starts to like tell me like you're, you're taking on too much. But I just think, Brian, I just think it's my personality. And then that was coaxed was and coached along. My dad, was willing to get up at 5 a.m. or 4.30 to get me to the pool by 5 a.m. He was willing to help me, you know, build habits for being successful and training my mind with the things that he would say to me and the way that he would talk to me that I think influenced all of this. He's the one that gave me that Dr. Dennis Waitley book, The Psychology of Winning. You, you cram so much wisdom into each one of your answers. I, I really love it. I, you and I are going to continue to have a lot of fun together, I can tell. And I can't wait till I join you on your show because, man, you move fast. You talk fast. You're very clear. You're very articulate. And your awareness is very, very on point. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, uh, I have two special needs kids. My son is on the spectrum. He has generalized anxiety disorder, sensory processing disorder. My daughter is hearing impaired with double hearing aids and has a... Oh. Uh, uh, learning disability she has dyslexia but she's too young to diagnose officially she's seven and then there's some neurological pieces so both of them have done significant intervention for years and um you'll learn about my story later but i grew up in healthcare uh for my own story and around a lot of individuals that were in that experience and really what it gives you is depth perspective it gives you empathy it gives you compassion you see a different side of the human experience 
right? Quite and a- and so I'm really happy that you shared that part because whether you've shared that many times or not, it's it is clearly a part of your depth. And I just want to honor you for all that you have shown up for because I also see how my kids show up for each other, advocating for each other in their own deficiencies mm-hmm. and you know, the reality of it is my son has a harder time than my daughter. Right. And so many of us, when certain attention is shifted, learn to receive love, validation and connection through performance, which is essentially what you said to your parents. Right. And and, I mean, that is that is like a high performers credo time and time and time again. And the people that I work with, like that's their deep level of conditioning right now. Clearly, you had a centeredness and a grounded element likely because of the other perspective and you had a father that saw you and poured into you which is more than lots of people can say even who have great parents right Right. the level of intent that he went to to give you the attention to recognize who you were to give you pathways and even when you shifted from medical school and he probably almost had a coronary himself (laughs) right like he still supported you and i'm sure has forever been a fan and behind you and so I just, I think it's really cool how you say that. I'm really curious, how have you transferred all of that wisdom, experience, and perspective into your role as a mother? So, uh, so parenting is a very unique experience, isn't it, Ryan? It is. <laughs> so, like, of course, you know, I what's fun is, so I have two boys, they're 15 and 16, and they're very different personalities. So one of them is me, and one of them is his dad that is so often the case (laughs) oh my god so the one who looks like me has the personality of his dad the one who looks exactly like his dad (laughs) has the drive and the motivation he's 15 he wants to be in the gym every day you know he's like eating like he's now drinking green juice in the morning i'm like i said to him yesterday i'm like luke that is that is amazing he looked at me he goes is it inspirational though i go it is so inspirational (laughs) (laughs) oh that sounds like my kids already i love it keep going (laughs) but you know what you can't my response early is like my older son jack who he is a leo he is every he never met a stranger in his life right from the time he was five and neither have i so my mother's always like you need to take the credit for that but you know we'd be in the grocery store and he'd be like wanting to shake hands with the bagger you know like my name is jack what's your name you were like we used to kid he's he's gonna be a politician one day he just wants to like know everybody and he's everybody's best friend but he's not motivated the way that i am he's He's he has other skills, relational skills that um, that are, are drive him. He's more I want to I want to be with my friends and I want to you know he won't he doesn't want to go to the gym. Luke and I are uh-huh. like you know Luke's like you know up early. He's kind of like more militant about like structure and and thrives kind of and Jack's just not a structure kind of a kid. So you know uh-huh. being a parent humbles you. And teaches you that, you know, these little humans that come out of us are their own people on their own journey. And what's most important to me with my two kids is that they are kind and good to other people. That when other people meet them, they look them in the eye. Since they were little, I'm always like, look, I look, I and and be polite and leave a feeling like we're dailies and we have a reputation like I, I, I created that. But I want other people to know, oh, those daily boys, they are good boys. And hey. they have definitely accomplished that. 
Well, they can only be kind to other people and compassionate to other people and love and protect other people if they know how to do that for themselves. So clearly you are, and uh, you and I are very deeply aligned because that's something my wife and I've always said is that we just want our kids to know who they are, love themselves deeply, know that we love them unconditionally and to learn how to advocate for themselves. Because if they can do those things and be centered and know the truth that exists in each one of those categories, they will be able to love show up, advocate for everyone else, including themselves. And so That's such a good point. very well done, my friend. It's it's well, it's, thank it's, you. It's not over yet. This is what I it's say. It's not about over, parenting. but there's no final destination. It's just constant evolution. But you can't say anything about these children. And it's like a great science experiment, right? So I am not I while well, I am an incredible boss to myself, like my father has said, you've been the boss of yourself since you were two years old. I am not a boss of my children. Like Luke judges me because he thinks I should pair Jack differently. It's hilarious, right? But I'm like, <laughs> Luke That's, and I went that out is to hilarious. We went out to dinner and, and he's like, you should make Jack, you know, like yeah. I forget, like you should make Jack get a job because he's learning to drive his, his car and he has, you know, <laughs> and I've been joking with him. I'm like, you know, buddy, your life's getting expensive. I think you're going to have to get a job soon. Well, no, you should make him. And I'm like, Luke, how am I going to make him do anything? But it's just funny to me that he's so like, you know, structured that he's trying to parent me. And that's always been my joke with him. I'm like, guys, just make the right decisions. Don't make me parent you. (laughs) Like, I just try to teach them since they were little. That's that's our job. All we can do is guide them and teach them how to make good decisions, how to think about things, how to feel things, how to experience life, how to actually find truth for themselves and others in each moment because that's what connects us i I am the mom that every every teenage boy hangs out at my house i love that and you can say well it's because you mrs daly doesn't have any rules you can say that but these kids never misbehave they have more respect for me in the house of quote no rules than they do in in houses where they are driven by it's because you allow them to feel safe and protected seen and understood and connected and so by virtue of that there's a respect for the environment that you created and the reality of it is it's so many kids right who actually act out it's coming from the armor where they are protecting and hiding themselves because of the lack of an adult or someone to guide them make them feel safe and protected seen and understood and connected and you clearly facilitate that in people there's just a warmth and a connection that's in you. And I just think it's really cool. I'm happy that we're getting a chance to know each other. I'm, I'm I'm really curious. You, you know, you've lived in the same region most of your life. Yep. What's the energy and fulfillment your environment provides for you? Well, my dad's here. <laughs> that's a great answer. It's beautiful. <laughs> and my mother, whenever I say that, my mother's like, She's uh, like hey, what about you? <laughs> so, that's a, yeah. I I moved away. I, w- I moved down to South Florida after college. I lived there for three years um, near Fort Lauderdale. And I loved it. I had a great life. I lived on the golf course because, of course, who doesn't like the warm weather, especially when you're raised in the Northeast. But um, I realized after weather was not an issue or a thing yes. without my family. And I, I grew up with a really close family where cousins were like siblings. And we had a huge... I have a lot of cousins because we're Italian. <laughs> so... I missed that. And I thought, if I find a guy down here and get married, my kids aren't going to know what I know. So I hightailed it back to New Hampshire and I then met my husband and we've been, you know, we, we 
built our lives here. So I have no regrets. Look, the weather is awesome in other places and it's awesome here. We ski, we live here at the beach, we have beautiful summers. We, we live where people want a summer. Um, and so we go away when it's super cold. We, we go where there is summer, you know, but <laughs> mostly, Brian, the answer is because my family is here and my values are families first. Family is first. Without family, what is your life? My wife and I say family first always. And my wife and kids are the only thing binary in my world. So yeah. it is, uh, I love to see this all reflected. You're just, you're so centered. I love your energy. You know, I read that you co-founded a martial arts school. And I'm, I'm curious, how has that knowledge <laughs> formed who you are as a business person, but also as a mother? Okay, so that's a funny story. So I was dating, um, this is just my entrepreneur in me. I was dating a competitive mixed martial artist before like jujitsu and like yeah. mixed martial arts was like a really big deal. Like he had to go like three states over to find like a ring where, you know, it was kind of like underground where they could host like, you know, competitions because it wasn't a big deal. So he started, tra I was again, an athlete. I love working out. I was in the gym as a personal trainer and this was post-college and um, he started training me in boxing and I had never done any, what, what today would be called like cardio kickboxing. So this was right before Billy Blanks came out. With I was going to say Billy Blanks. So like, that was I the first name that came to mind. <laughs> yep. So I was like, this is amazing. We could sell this. So that's what we did. We went to the gym owner. We said, can we have your aerobic studio at night? We paid him rent a couple nights a week, turned into five nights a week, turned into us opening our very own school. He still does that today. I stepped out when he asked me to marry him. And I said, no, that was a little bit of yeah, buzzkill. That, that, that's, that's, <laughs> I can see how so that, that might that, might change the direction of that. Yeah, yeah that, that part of that. But it's my legacy to him. I helped him turn it's his cool. passion into money. And we had a ton of fun that tons of amazing amazing people like the best thing about martial artists are that they're gentle giants like these they guys really are. are killers oh with their hands but you you they they're so humble with their power i mean it, martial artists are like the the best of the I best i couldn't agree more i i think the structure the discipline my son's in jujitsu and on the spectrum it's been very very good for him because of the consistency and the structure but you know, I have a lot of friends who compete at very high levels in martial arts. And you're right, different than any other sport, there's a humility that just exists. And I believe it's because they know that without a shadow of a doubt, 99.99% of people on the planet are not a threat to them physically, right? Unless they have a weapon. And and it, and, and so it puts yeah, them in a different embodiment of understanding totally. that fight or flight response. And I do believe that there's a calming and connection in the mind that this happened. So I'm really happy that you took it there. I'm I'm curious what what's your legacy going to be to my children however you define your legacy I mean I want my boys to never have to work for anybody else if they don't want to if they Beautiful. want to fine but even like this summer, just yesterday, we were talking about opening our pool for the, because it was snowing. <laughs> so I'm like, let's talk about like summer. And I said to Luke, rather than me paying a pool cleaning company, how about we get them to come train you? And I pay you a hundred bucks a week as a 15 year old. You work 25 minutes a week and make a hundred bucks. And he was like, okay. Yeah. Who wouldn't say okay to that? Right. Like, so. I want to teach and I said this is a business in the making because you get good at it and Bingo. prove it with our pool by next summer I go you'll be employing Jack <laughs> that's what I said yeah. that's his older brother I'm like you'll be employing Jack because everybody's going to want to be in Luke's business so I, I think my legacy 
not like almost every person I've ever dated, I've turned something they do into a business and left that for them as I've like exited their lives. I I love business ownership. I love control. Really, what I really love, Brian, is freedom. So yes. that's why I'm a freedom junkie. And that's what I realized when I went to work for that first franchise company. I loved the environment, but I hated doing it working for somebody Ew. else. There was always going to be a better way for Kim. So when I tell people like, I'm not really selling franchising. Franchising is the vehicle that's driving freedom, yep. personal, professional, and financial freedom. So you tell me where you want to end up and in what time frame. I'm going to pick the most efficient vehicle to help drive yeah. those outcomes in your life. Because everybody, I don't care who you are, is seeking some amount of personal, Thinking? professional, and financial freedom, if not a lot. Yeah. What does freedom mean to you? Freedom is, this is, this is when people are like, why are you so passionate? <laughs> I'm passionate because every part of my life is my own, right? When I hear people tell me that they hate going to work, like Friday or Monday, it's all the same to Kim. Yeah, I work on I Saturdays. Agree. Like I agree. I'm doing it for myself. Like there's no, you know, I'll work late. I'll work short. Like take a vacation is, um, I like my life is a vacation. You know, I love every single part of my life. And that's what I wish for everybody. So freedom for me is the ability to wake up every day, live the life I want to live, talk to the, like work with the people I want to work with because I have a free service. If I don't really like you or if I feel like I'm not really going to make a difference in your life, I don't have to work with you. I even have that much freedom, you yep. know? And then once you get past a certain amount of money to where you're like, okay, my basic needs are met, money becomes, you know, then you're financially free. And then there's a whole new level of passion that can come in. And that happened for me in my own business. And when that happened and I was truly free, not only had I made history in my industry, but I really, I feel, changed the entire trajectory for my children as well, for what, what I'm a role model to them hey. for. And so that's my legacy. That's what I want my legacy to be, that you can live the life you want to live. Yes, you have to make smart choices and be disciplined in, in how you act, but more importantly, how you think. And, and believe in yourself and believe in your dreams and have patience and tenacity. But if you're willing to do the right things, the right things happen for you in time. I agree with all of that. I'm really curious. Why do you believe that most people desire freedom but can't exist in it? Uh, maybe because the way that we're traditionally raised is not set up for freedom, right? Like I was recently asked to be in like a mainstream media and I thought to myself, like I panicked <laughs> and I thought to myself, my messaging is sort of like anti-mainstream, you know, like I, I want to meet people when they're tired of working for the man. I don't want to be interviewed in a, in, in a scenario where I'm supposed to be like serving the man. Right. right? So like I, I and I literally had to. Uh, I actually asked my parents, like, so what do I do? And they were mm -hmm. like, just be true to yourself. You know, don't do not do it if you don't think you can do it and be who you are. I don't know what I'm going to do. But um, what was your question? I got off on a tangent. I was asking why you believe so many people desire freedom but can't exist in it. 
Yeah. So I think that it's just the way that the system is created. I agree. For people to not think for themselves, to go to college and get a job and follow the track and, you know, put your money in Wall Street and let somebody else manage your retirement. And, you know, no way. <laughs> like, I'm the anti on Thanks all of that. You know, if you don't want to go to college, it doesn't matter. Some of the wealthiest people I know are real estate investors and business owners Hello? who started right out of high school. Yeah, there might have been a harder track, but if you know inside you there's an entrepreneur and you're willing to not quit, you're going to figure it out. You don't need a college degree. You definitely don't need an MBA, not in the world I live in, to be successful. So I think that's probably my answer. I think it's a beautiful answer. Again, I, I do really appreciate the energy and conviction that you deliver every message with. It is so believable. It's so accessible to so many. And the, again, the energy that it's delivered with makes it accessible for people who might not even typically receive it. And that's a gift that you have and you live and exist in. You also often seem to have existed as the light, not only for yourself, but for so many. And typically without contrast, which obviously we know some through your brother, right? It's difficult to really calibrate our light, but everyone I know has experienced darkness in their life. What was the darkest moment for you? Um, I have a couple dark moments. So I think first the passing of my brother. Mm-hmm. So he was involved in a wrongful death lawsuit. He literally went to sleep on Thanksgiving night at 26 years old, you know, healthy other than his, um, you know, uh, learning disability mm-hmm. and never woke up. And so I was 23. He was 26. I actually tried to resuscitate him because I was a lifeguard. I had CPR training. So when my brother discovered him, we you know, we, we tried to resuscitate him and he passed away. That was a really, that's a life-changing experience for any family, especially a mom. Like as a mom now, I, I never judged my mom because it definitely changed her. She was never quite the same after that. But now that I am a mom, I'm like, it's like a whole nother level of just compassion and understanding for like, how did you even go on, you know? Yeah. So I think those were some very dark years and working through that. Um, I'm divorced today. I never saw that coming. <laughs> so okay. there's that. And I, I still, you know, neither one of us have ever like, you know, I have a boyfriend and we've moved on, but not really. Like we just took a great vacation together with our kids. We have this amazing relationship today that's kind of laughable because most people are like, wait, you guys are divorced? Like why? You know, we we get along really great. And I think that um, I, when, you know, when I was found out that we were, we we're going to, he didn't want to be married to me anymore. It was um, an incredibly sad and I'd say more frustrating uh, because I completely understood why he like, felt the way that he like, felt. I can't say I didn't feel it too, but I knew that it was a momentary yeah. decision. He was making a momentary decision of because we were so uncomfortable. We yeah. grew a lot. We we got married late. We had kids quick. We, you know, we, we were built a custom home. The recession hit. He lost his job. He was midlife crisis. Like it was so many things. And I was like, you're going to regret this in a few years. And I don't know if he, I've never asked him if he regretted it because it's all good now. But um, anyway, I think those were, those are two very, those were two very challenging parts in my life. So the first part sparked the thought for me, and I don't know if I tracked the timeline well enough, but it seemed like the franchise shift from medical school was when you were 23 also. 
what influence do you think your brother's death in a medical facility had on you running away from that field and running to more freedom? I don't know that it had any, not consciously. It literally was, I answered that classified ad. So I went to Boston College and I worked for the BC Alumni Fund. <laughs> that was my on-campus job. And uh, I was I was the number one telemarketer every night I was on the phone, mostly because I was super money motivated as a college kid. They would dangle like bonuses if you were, you know. Yeah. So if you answered the phone when I called you, you were giving me money. <laughs> I was not hanging out. I was you're making like, you're, a- you're, you're, you're like DJ Khalid. All you do is win, I think. <laughs> It is not your lucky night when I was calling you, asking you for money. So that's why I answered that telemarketing ad because I knew that I had phone skill, you know, and it just, it just so happened to be for a franchise consulting company. The way that I look at it is when you step back and you zoom out over my life, right? When I was 15 years old, a real desire to become somebody and a a motivational speaker was born. Yeah. Um, And I thought that all these deviations into medical school and franchising were just that, like deviations. But when you look at where I am today, it was never a right. deviation. God had me exactly where he always wanted me to be. It's like a tapestry. In every single moment. It's a tapestry or it was a chapter of the book. Like the book is yeah. still being written and there's more to come for me, but every single thing prepared me. Look, I was part of the BC alumni fund, like big deal. So many other kids were too. That prepared me. Let's go back to when I was 12 years old and I wanted to compete in Miss New Hampshire preteen and my parents were like, great, but we can't afford it. And they said, you can go get sponsors. And my dad said, I'll drive you. So at 12 years old, I was walking into businesses, introducing myself, selling people on what I wanted to do, asking them for money. And from that moment forward, I didn't say this, my parents never paid for anything, no gown, no trip, no airplane. I raised more money for the Miss New Hampshire America organization than any other contestant. So think about everything that I've done that in the moment you're like, oh man, why can't I just be like the other girls whose parents can afford to buy them? You know, I had to earn it. I had to work for it. I developed skill that literally has made me who I am today. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It really is. And you so eloquently embed the value of time and the perspective of moments, right? We can often do things in moments that we can't see into the future. And we believe that it's our truth and is going to exist as that truth. But so often through time and surrender, we see that most things do actually work out. Like more often, I I believe that, you know, whether you call it God, the universe or whatever, to me, there's a higher connecting power. And the reality of it is, is like, so often we sit here and think that we're being tested when in reality we're being protected and promoted. Correct. And it often is putting us in such a really incredible position. But again, you talk about freedom and time. And so I'm, I'm really curious right now, just for a second, let's play an exercise. You're looking at yourself in a reflection in the mirror and you're coaching the reflection in the mirror. Can I okay? go like this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on these 4K fucking cameras, we all have to. You see this shit up here? Yeah, I don't know. It's so funny. And then the more like gray I'm starting to get, my wife's like, you know, like your whole beard is great, right? I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm getting there. But like 10 years ago, she's like, you know, you're starting to get wrinkles by your eyes, right? I'm like, yeah, no, I, I see that. 4K freaking cameras. Again, I told you I have a face for radio. So um, anyway, 
play yeah. the reflection for a second, okay? You're coaching okay. yourself, you're coaching your reflection. How do you better use your time every day? Well, I am so highly efficient. <laughs> I, I see that. That's why I was I really use, curious on this question. I, I use every moment of every day. I would actually probably have to say to myself, it's okay to take a day off. It's okay yes. to take your foot off of the gas today, Kim. I have to probably talk myself down from being efficient and productive more than making myself productive. Why do you believe you can't take your foot off the pedal? Um, there's just so many things I want to do, Brian. It's, I don't know that I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything to prove to anybody around me. I don't get any scarcity at all through you. So no, I don't think it's I that don't at have all. anything to prove to myself. I, um, I just, I just love, like, I want to be high performing at work. I want to excel. Like I want to get my 10,000 steps in. I want to, I want to lift weights and get better. I go to the gym every day. I have a personal trainer. Like everything I do, I want to do it at the max level. I'm an avid reader. So I start my day with quiet meditation and I'm always reading a book. I always am a I audible. I do not read. I audible so that I can audible the in the car. Way. I can audible on the treadmill. You probably listen to it at two times speed also, don't you? Of course, walking my dog. Well, yeah, because you do. You know, the only way you can, it's not only faster, but you, that's the way your brain works. So you can see <laughs> yeah, it better. Exactly. Unless I need to go back and slow it down. But, but yeah, so I'd say that for me, it's more reminding myself of balance. You know what happened? Uh, a couple of years ago, I broke my leg skiing and um, very humbling, by the way. <laughs> but even for my kids, my kids, they were like, they weren't there, but they were like, you broke your leg. I broke my leg on the green part of the mountain. Like the lodge was like right there. You know, my kids were mortified. They're like, don't tell anybody where you broke your leg. At least you didn't trip off the step on going out to the snow. <laughs> yeah, it was so, so stupid. So I had 14 weeks while and I broke my leg in January. So my family's out skiing every weekend. And even then, as I was sitting there, I actually had to hire a caregiver because I'm a single mom. Like I had to have okay. help, like getting in and out of the shower, doing the laundry, grocery shopping, all this. And it was by driving, like I couldn't drive. So um, I had bought this meditation course and it was sitting in my inbox, but I'm a Christian and I was like, I was interested, but I felt conflicted. So yeah. I bought it, but then I, I didn't do anything with it. So now I have 14 weeks. So my kids were away for the weekend skiing. I decided to take you know redeem the time i got to do something to use this time that i've been blessed with that's how i was trying to look at it because for me to sit still is like not not second you know it takes yeah, a, I have lot a hard of time with that myself i get it yeah so anyway i took this meditation course by dr joe dispenza uh -huh. and it He's literally brilliant. it literally changed my life like it, i literally i told my mom i woke up i got uh, got up on that new leg 14 weeks later but my entire whole being was different and um i mean dr joe if you know him he's amazing i've been to his advanced retreat now i've read all of his books i i i think he's just a disciple like i think he is he is doing something and touching so many people and teaching mm -hmm. people how to create wholeness and wellness and and just bring more love into our lives. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, I forget the, the original question, but I think that experience helped bring me to a greater understanding of balance 
and that doing nothing is not doing nothing. Yeah. I'll tell you that that was one of my biggest battles as uh, my doing self always outweighed my being self. And I will tell you that the more I've learned to be, the more I am and the more I exist in freedom in every moment. But that is a really tough paradigm for us high performers, especially who learned how to receive love, connection and validation through performance. <laughs> We know no other way. Um, (laughs) I'm really curious. So you've got a client that prides themselves on being independent. Would they be good or would they be successful as a franchisee? Sure. In the right franchise system, not every franchise system. So some franchise systems that are more proven and established will have every I dotted and every T crossed. It's our way or the highway. And like someone like me would totally suffocate in that environment. But I'm actually a franchisee of a company for 20 years and I thrive. You know, I would never, people are like, you could, why do you give them a royalty? You could go do what you do. Well, no, that's just bad karma. I would never bite the hand that created the opportunity for me to be who I am today. But there's no reason to. Like the value of what I get from these, this collaboration is there's no price. So it's about, and that's, this is why I have a business. When people come to the idea of the franchise, They often start from what they know or what they think their community Mm -hmm. needs. And both of those, in my experience, have nothing to do with why you should invest in a franchise. It's more defining the owner that you want to be, again, and those outcomes that you're trying to get to. And and then understanding someone's personality, like you're saying, how entrepreneurial are you? And then matching them with a community where they'll be celebrated and supported for who they are, you know, in the way that they need to be supported, but not suffocated by too many rules and restrictions. So how you would ever figure that out on your own without someone like Kim Daly, it, you really wouldn't until after you said yes and realize it may be too late. Yeah. I mean, I definitely believe that if you see someone in a position that you want to be, you have to be able to be humble enough to reach out and ask for help and invest in getting to that path. And you're clearly doing that in a lot of ways. I'm I want to go deeper on franchises because you obviously are one of the world-renowned experts on here and I want our audience to learn as much as possible now that they've gotten the chance to get to know who you are. What are some of the, what are the three biggest misconceptions around franchisees? All right. I'd say first is that um, it's the franchisor's job to make you successful. (laughs) So there's this pervasive like undertone of like you're owed something. Okay, so I'm here to tell you, sorry, you're not owed anything, right? When you say yes to a franchise, you're buying down the learning curve of starting a business because you're partnering yourself with people who've already figured it out. They have a business plan, but you have to be humble. You just said the word, humble enough to sort of check your ego and accept their coaching and mentoring and use what they've created. And ultimately, it's up to you to take the toolbox and go execute and create an outcome. It's not their job to make you successful. It's your job to make you successful. So that's probably myth number one. Um, along with that is the myth that, hey, you know, why why do I have to go find my own customers? Isn't that why I'm buying a franchise? Love that one. Well, if you're lucky enough to be investing in a franchise that everybody already knows the name of it, what that means is that there's been years of pioneering franchisees who have consistently executed on a proven business plan to build a brand in such a way that today, when you look at it, it is that. And those brands enjoy in that moment of a sort of feeling of build it and people will come. But that's the very rare exception. And what I would tell somebody is, when you invest in a business at that timing, the real opportunity is already over. 
So the owners who are pioneering, who are part of building that brand equity, when the whole world wakes up and people want one, that's when you have your greatest exit strategy moment in a franchise. The Planet Fitness owners who cashed out for six, seven, eight multiples. That's because they spent 15 years telling the world what a $10 a month membership in the fitness Uh world meant, right? The people, the Planet Fitness doesn't hold on to those type of multiples, right? It's right. a moment in time. Massage Emmy went through the same thing. Orange Theory went through the same thing. So you can jump in when the whole world knows it, but and you can still have a great opportunity. I'm not saying anything about it. You might not get the best territories. You're probably also not going to have that peak exit strategy, which again, I'm always coaching my people to build and sell. I believe every business should be built to be sold. It's like if you're sitting on all this equity, why are you not going to sell it and take that equity and go do something else or retire or invest it somewhere else? So, and then the third myth, let me think about it. Uh, There's so many myths and misconceptions. Um, Let's see, maybe that those evil franchisors, how dare they make money from me? (laughs) People have this like feeling of like, you know, I should, why do I have to give a franchisor a royalty dollar, especially when they hear like on average that it's six to 10% of their gross revenue. They feel like they're getting ripped off. It's like, hey man, you're, they're making money after you make money. What's in it for them? If you want them to be there, to keep growing your opportunity and to be adequately supporting you, finding new vendors, shopping for better ways for you to do what you do, keeping your business on the cutting edge and relevant to the customer so you don't become obsolete. Well, it takes money to do that. Where do they get the money? They get it from you after you've been successful. So a good franchisee franchisor relationship is where franchisees feel value in the money they're giving to the franchisor and franchisors are investing that money in more research and development to keep improving the opportunity so this franchisee can make more money, feed it more back, they can keep growing it so that it's a circle that keeps going around and around, but where both people need each other. Now, that I love how you answered that and the fact that you had three that were also extremely powerful and in every situation, you also reflected it back on the individual versus the structure, the system, the process and seeking the deep alignment, which shows even deeper congruence in you I'm curious for so many people who maybe have never looked at franchising, know nothing about it, right? What are some of the investment opportunities that exist, both active and passive? And what's maybe the most accessible way for people to start entering into this industry? So there are franchise businesses that are pure sales-driven options that are super low investments that as I coach people, I show them how time and money go together and they're basically inversely related. So when you see a lower investment of money, that means a super big investment of time commitment by the owner to go drive a sale. The reason it's home base isn't because you're working from home, Brian. It's because you're willing to go out and find your customers where they are, cold calling, networking, and prospecting. On the flip side, you can look at a million dollar build out for a laundromat that once it's filled, right? How much time is an owner putting in there? Maybe five hours a week once it's built. So again, money and time are inversely related. There's all the food and retail that we know as consumers, but that is not where I've spent 20 years. Like that is the, I do not, I love to say as one of America's top franchise consultants, you will not invest in food through Kim Daly. 
So if you do, that's on you. Like I have plenty of food to show, but there's just faster, easier, better ways to make money in companies that, again, maybe emerging brands. So if you're trying to build something of value for an exit strategy in eight to 10 years, let's look at the pioneering side, the next orange theory, not the one that's already the big brand name today. Um, and let's ride that wave up if it's backed by strong leadership. So it depends on what every investor I work with, where they're at, their risk tolerance. Some people are super adventurous. Some people like engineers or accountants kind of want every I dotted and every T crossed. And they're going to be more suited to these hey, hey. billion dollar franchise brands where it's kind of like the Titanic, you know? It's like, unless you just don't show up and do what you've committed to doing, this thing is pretty much full, mm -hmm. you know? And then over here, this environment that's a little less structured, more pioneering may seem too like too much like oh. you're blazing a trail for someone that needs more structure and stability. So what I do is so nuanced. There's so much psychology oh, yeah. that I'm putting into meeting people and understanding what motivates them, what skills they want to use. I mean, to answer your question, there are franchises in all different industries from like one of my favorite businesses is called Smash My Trash, where you're literally taking this commercial trash compactor into dumpsters and you're reducing the haul-away volume for a business owner, thereby saving him money. And it's a green company. So you you're literally have business-to-business -business accounts. It's inside sales and a commercial license with a compacting thing that goes into the dumpster and flattens the trash every week. You know, And then there are tons of products and services in the home. During 2020, when we were all like stuck in our house, the, the whole renovation <laughs> remodeling world exploded, as did pools and puppies, my oh, two yeah. favorite things to say, together. So if you think about in franchising, all of the services that would support just people building pools and getting puppies. So you need a fence when you need a pool. You might need a pool cleaning company. You need landscape lighting. You need a patio. You need your lawn fertilized because now you're staring at it. So all of those things are franchises. You get a new puppy, you need training, you need dog food and treats, you need boarding, kenneling, all of the dog grooming, all oh, yeah. of those things are franchises. So if there's a business out there, there's probably a franchise of it, whether you're aware of it or not. There's like three or 4,000 businesses on the market at any one time being brought to market as franchises. That's incredible. Again, just because there's probably a lack of knowledge for some people, what what is typically a minimum investment? And I, I get it's time and there's an inverse relationship with time, energy, money. I get all of that. But what's the lowest point of entry if someone's like, I want to dabble in this? Okay. So the reality is, this is what I would say uh, to somebody. There are two requirements, liquidity and net worth. But to keep it simple, the lowest investment is probably 50, 60, 70,000 all in. But the reality is, Brian, if it's in that range, I still want you to have 100 to 120. So I'm going to say the lowest investment I would want somebody to be able to get their hands on cash and either like home equity line of credit or maybe an, an unsecured, yep. you know, SBA loan, which I, I help with the financing. I have resources would be about 100,000. Okay. And then the more money you have, like buying which, a car, the more yeah. options. You I have. mean, it, it, I, which which is obvious and that's scalable. Again, I just I really want people to understand like what's the size and scale of an investment if it's just something they wanted to start to look into, learn and grow. Um, yeah. You, you but obviously here's what a... I would say, mm -hmm. not to cut you off. No, is no, go. Anybody who's interested, 
I want to help you. Yes. I will never uninspire you. So if you take the time to reach out to me, I'm going to take the time to breathe life into your dream. So even if now is not the right time, we figure out like, oh, for the type of business that matches your skill, you really need another 50000 Well, what I'm going to do is give you the clarity about what it takes so you can go away, save the yes. money, and know when to call me back. Like this isn't a chill today, eat today, right? I'm like a farmer working the land. Like I will plant the seeds and we can, we can water them and wait for them to grow some other day in the future. So do not, please call me if you're inspired yes. by the conversation to learn because I think people more are apt. People want the result, but there's a lot, like going to the gym. There's a lot of mental barriers to reaching out to someone like me. So I'm like, look, don't let the mental barriers right. clog you up. Like, just reach out. I am not a salesperson. I am not here to help every single person that I need get into franchising. I am going to consult with you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to inspire you. And even if you decide franchising is not for you, you might leave with more clarity about what your next move could be. Because there's, again, a lot of career counseling that comes out of me after 20 years of, of doing this that gives you clarity. I'm happy you cut me off because that's it just shows the connection that we are having right now because that's literally the question I was going to ask you is now, how can people access you and and at what scale and should they be afraid to reach out and you just said that so beautifully so how can they find you what's the best way to follow you and we're going to make sure we include that all in the show notes I want everybody who has any interest in this to know who you are be able to access you the best place to go is my growing YouTube channel at kimdaily.tv. Mostly, Brian, I just love to say my name and TV in the same sentence. <laughs> so, kimdaily.tv, and that's D-A-L-Y. <laughs> um, there I have over 500 videos on all things, mindset coaching, business coaching, franchising, fees, those evil fees, you know, everything you want to know and more about franchising and business ownership. And then of course, from there, there's all kinds of places to connect to my contact form. And you know, sometimes people think when they watch my videos or they see me on Instagram, like I'm gonna be too busy to talk to you. I'm telling you, I'm not too busy. You might have to wait seven or 10 days to get on my calendar, but we will do it. So if I can help you, please reach out to me. I'm grateful for how you show up and the congruency and the consistency because there are so many people who position that they're there to help people who don't make themselves available and create a bad association. I just had somebody not long ago try to engage and just say, finally, without any understanding of depth, that they weren't worth my time. And it engaged a whole deeper conversation in text that then opened him up and now he's in our community and I'm not going to go into detail on it because it's his story. But the reality of it is it's just so fascinating how conditioned people are to expect that asking for help won't be received particularly from people who show up like you do. And it's it's real. It's congruent. I'm telling everybody, I read energy. I sense people. Kim's the real deal. And if you're watching this, listening to this, please go check her out because it's absolutely worth it. Kim, as we wrap up here, is there a closing thought you'd like to leave everybody with? <laughs> the best dreams are those we live. That's my that's my tagline. It's on my Facebook app, Daily TV. The best dreams are those we live. Go live your dreams. Oh my goodness, that is so beautiful, Kim. I'm so grateful that you were with us. Thank you for the, for being here. Oh and my gosh, first, thank you. Oh, awesome, cool. I almost shifted real quick. Thank you. I'm going to wrap here because I want everybody to hear 
all the brilliance in just a quick hit. And if you tuned in for this episode, you can see that deep perspective early in life, alignment with who you are, having someone be able to see you, understand you, protect you, make you feel safe and connected and can pour into you with the contrast of someone that brings more empathy and compassion into your life, allows you to stand on your own two feet and know who you are. When you are literally the streams we exist, we live in, I think I said it incorrectly, but it's so beautiful because the reality of it is, is that she is so congruent, has dug deep, has unpacked, and consistently is raising her level of awareness with complete acknowledgement that in her surrender, success immediately follows. And freedom is what we all chase. But so many of you are afraid to live in it because everything that you've experienced has made you believe that you can't. Kim is a living example of what's possible. And I want you all to know that you absolutely can create the freedom you desire for you today. Flip your lid and scan your can.